Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. I'm Michael Bernstein, the rabbi of Congregation Gesher Torah in Alpharetta, Georgia. We'll be looking today at Megillah Kaf Chet. The theme on this daf that I'd like to look at is the theme of who is worthy. What makes a person worthy? It begins with Rabbi Parida, and in a continuation of the conversation about what gives longevity, he makes an interesting statement, which is that he never recited Birkat Amazon in the presence of a Kohen. He always deferred in reciting the blessing after meals to a priest. This would seem to show that what made him so worthy, what gave him the merit for longevity, was that he deferred. But the rabbis in the Gemara argue this question, and they say, is this really such a good thing? Don't we realize that a person who has the opportunity to show how much their scholarship is worthy of honor and doesn't is themselves spurning God. And we look in Proverbs that says, Misanai ahavu mabet, those who hate me are lovers of death. And we read it as masni'ai, that those who cause hate in other words, somebody who is a representative of God, a Tami Chacham, who doesn't show any sense of uh, holding on to their honor as something precious, causes hate for God. What's also here, though, Gemara will solve this problem by saying that, in fact, the priest is also a Tamid Chacham. And in this case, that solves the problem. But this, of course, means that a priest, a Kohen, who the Torah gives the original right for high honors is not actually worthy of deferring to in the world of the rabbis. We'll come back to that uh, in a little bit, but we go on to this conversation uh, by means of who is worthy of a eulogy. In this case, the eulogy in synagogue, which is one of the things that is actually not allowed in a synagogue, which comes as a shock to us. Uh, but there's an exception, and the exception has to do with who's doing the eulogy and who's being eulogized. Uh, and uh, a little bit down on the on the Amud, we find the conversation um, about the practice of Reish Lakish uh, doing a eulogy for a young man, a young scholar, who is described either, depending on how we interpret it, as sitting in the back of the 24th row, or in giving uh, his shiur in front of 24 rows. Obviously, if he's sitting in the back of 24 rows, just like Moses in the story with Rabbi Akiva, um, sitting in Rabbi Akiva's classroom in the eighth row is a show that he was not one of the good students there. Um, Being 24 rows back is clearly a way of showing that this person was not a great student. if he's giving a shiur, giving a lesson in front of 24 rows, then that would be the opposite, that he is a great student. And I prefer to see it as the first, 
that he's not a great student, or at least not a recognized great student, um, because it makes the story even more interesting that Reish Lakish does this eulogy. Not only does he do this eulogy, but he says that the person in question, his loss, is a great loss for the land of Israel. Um, and this is contrasted with Rav Nachman, who does not do a eulogy for a person who is described as having studied all sorts of sources, the Tosefta, the Sifra, the Sifre, all kinds of sources, but Rav Nachman basically says the equivalent of, well, what do you want me to do? Say a eulogy for a bag of books? Again, depending on how you read it, but basically saying, I can't say a eulogy for a person who was the equivalent of a bag of books. It's, he, he learned these sources, um, but was no better than, than a recitation that you could find just by opening up a book, which is pretty harsh. I mean, he could have just said, I'm not free that Sunday. But it makes the point uh, that the person who studied in the 24th row, halacha, um, is considered a, uh, a greater loss to the world. Uh, at least if we see these, um, you know, as equal cases in terms of the proclivities of Reish Lakish and Rav Nachman to do a eulogy in the first place. Um, and it becomes even clearer that this is part of the point in another story involving Reish Lakish further down. Um, and Ula tells the story of how Reish Lakish was once trying to cross a body of water, and uh, a person gave him the opportunity to ride on his shoulders, and Reish Lakish starts asking him about his scholarship, and in fact, he's, been, he's a Bible scholar, he asks him, has he studied Mishnah? He says he's studied the four orders of Mishnah, which is a very interesting um, point, not six orders. Uh, the four orders are the practical ones, that includes, of course, Moed, Nizikin, and Nashim, um, the holidays, the torts and damages, and issues of marriage. Um, and what the other three uh, is probably Kodeshim, the uh, holy um, sources about uh, sacrifices, because even those, though those are not done anymore with the destruction of the temple, studying them is still practical in the sense that we have the idea that they replace the sacrifices. But uh, Zra'im, at least uh, outside the land of Israel, the, the seeds uh, and, and agriculture, uh, as well as to Harot, the uh, study of purity is no longer considered practical. So learning these four practical Mishnayot, uh, or um, Sidre Mishnah, orders of Mishnah, are considered to be um, a form of great scholarship. So much so that Reish Lakish says, stop carrying me. I don't want to use you uh, the way that a person would use, you know, any kind of pack animal. Um, you're a, a scholar. You've hewn out these four orders of Mishnah. Why are you holding me on your shoulders? Throw me to the, to the water. But this person would, does not want to do so. So Reish Lakish decides, well, I can't use just a, a random person who is a Talmud Chacham, a scholar, but my own student can serve me as a Rav, as a master. So he teaches him a halacha. And what's fascinating is what he teaches him happens to come from Tohorot, uh, one of those uh, orders of mission that are not included. It comes from Nida, uh, the study of menstrual impurity and uh, the practices of, um, of mikvah. This um, is the only one that does have 
a follow-up in the Gemara um, because it is still practical. The rest of purity and impurity laws are not considered practical. The law that he teaches, though, ironically, is a law that itself renders a lot of practical halakha um, moot. It's the idea that the women of Israel were strict upon themselves, that whenever they saw blood, even the size of a mustard seed, they treated it as um, a discharge, which requires seven clean days, um, which is different than menstrual blood, which uh, after it stops, uh, after there's uh, seven days is, is enough to wait before uh, immersion. The level of uh, meticulous uh, division between all of the laws, the, the differentiation then between discharge and menstrual blood, which uh, takes up much of Nida, then becomes less important for practical halakha. Um, and what's ironic here is that we think of halakha as really about, very often, practical halakha. And going back to the two unfortunate uh, people who died, um, and one who was eulogized and the one who wasn't, the purpose of, of eulogizing the first was that he was a student of halakha. Um, the implication there is that he has some engagement, deeper engagement, than the one who wasn't eulogized, who was just a bag of books. But it wasn't the way we think of it as just simply learning the practical halakha, but a deeper engagement in what is called halakha. Um, and this is what I think Reish Lakish is getting at in teaching this point. Even though it obviated much of the practical halakha, it is a deep and important point uh, of the story of halakha, and it one that was not included in the person whose shoulders he was riding on because it wasn't part of the, the very practical part that, uh, that he had already learned. And then the Talmud finishes it off with a more general statement that actually po makes this point in a deeper way, saying that those who study halakha will have eternal life, uh, because these are the halichot, those who go in my ways, we don't read it as halichot, but rather halachot, that the ones who go in our ways are the ones who study halakha. Uh, that in order to be engaged with godliness in the world, that is what the study of halakha is about. And that is the true replacement, not only of the priest, given the, uh, the pride of place in the Torah world, but even of the one who simply studies texts, the Midrash and the various sources all around. But the true mark of the Tami Chacham is this engagement in halacha and halicha, in the presence and the movement of God in the world. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.